0: You're listening to the It's Her Time podcast with Cody and Jess. Welcome back to the It's Her Time podcast. I am Cody Sanders, and I'm a holistic health practitioner and functional nutritionist, and the host of the show. And in this show, we love to talk about all areas of health that affect our lives as women. And so today, I have a very special guest. Her name is um, Kimber Molden, and she is a nutritionist as well as a somatic coach, which many of you might not be familiar with that phrase. But basically, she helps women with their healing in Working with the nervous system and helping us to know how to self regulate as well as how to self nourish so that we can support our own body's natural healing processes. This is going to be a conversation that is going to be so enlightening for so many of us. I know I was loving everything that she was sharing and absolutely put my stamp of approval on everything she was sharing. Mixers is a company made for women by women. Each of our products have been carefully and lovingly crafted to support you in all stages of your life, providing you with the optimal health you deserve. Each ingredient we handpick is 100% all-natural, backed by science and chosen specifically to better your life physically, mentally, and hormonally. Each product empowers your body to take charge of its monthly hormonal shift and flows, empowering you to live life to the fullest. Let Mixers take care of your needs from sunup to sundown, and you take care of the rest. Check us out at mixers.com. M-I-X-H-E-R-S. Kimber, I'm so excited. In the intro, I told our audience a little bit about you and what this exciting conversation is going to be all about. But I always love the audience to just hear it straight from you right at the beginning a little about a little bit about who you are, what you're so passionate about, and what you're hoping we're going to be able to discuss today.
1: Yes, um, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm also excited. Um, yeah. so, so I'm a nutritionist and a women's health coach, and in the last year and a half, I've also... Um, evolved or moved into working with trauma and nervous system regulation and attachment. Um, And so, um, yeah, so I think I, you know, when I first went to school for health and nutrition, I was pretty broad in my application of it. And then as I started to practice more and more and just observe who was coming to me for support, I noticed that it was, you know, predominantly women And so, um, through that, through really dialing in who I work with, um, I got to see, I got to understand a lot more of women's health than I had expected my, you know, and I, and I didn't really, I didn't realize up until that point, how much, how much of, how much of what we get taught about health isn't really specific for women. So true. And so that was kind of a shocker of like, I actually need to reeducate myself on a lot of things in order to fully help women. Um, and then as a result of that, just helping them with their, with their metabolic health, I started to see patterns over and over again of nervous system dysregulation. So Mm -hmm. trauma patterns, stress patterns, um, things that tie in with metabolic functions because we use our nutrients as we, you know, based on our stress levels and all that. But, um, so it's been kind of this evolution of working, you know, more into the somatics and realizing just like the broad application of it and the immense need for it. And yeah, um, yeah so I'm really excited to talk about all of that. And yeah. hopefully, you know, some women in your audience will learn something new.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, I was doing some research on your page, and I feel like we are aligned on so many areas. That was kind of my history as well. Working with women one-on-one for now nearly 30 years, it's, uh, it kind of evolved. And it's you know it became more of my niche where I was working with women and their hormonal health and helping to address that um, through a holistic approach, through nutrition and lifestyle and all of that. And so I just think it's so wonderful you know, to have these kinds of conversations because um, you're right there is such a lack of education that's out there specifically for women and yet all of us are you know out there trying to figure out what's going to work best for us and so if we can give a good broad you know like view of what is even available out there, things that we can consider um, and approaches that maybe we've never been familiar with um, that might look a little different than mainstream. I think that it's so helpful for us because we'll know, uh, know intuitively what is actually best for us. And I always love it when we get down to the cellular level of things. So I'm excited to dive into that for sure. Is it okay? I I loved this on your website. Um, I loved that you had a manifesto and I wanted to read it if that's with your permission, of course, just because I feel like it's very aligned with um our our manifesto and like what drives us, what the heart is behind um this podcast, and then also behind mixers. So I just loved it and I just think it will set the tone for this conversation today, if that's okay. So
1: Yeah, please. I wrote that years ago, so I love that that's still so relevant.
0: Well, way to go, Kimber. It's awesome. It's really powerful. I really loved it. Okay. Her manifesto says, Women have a right to full ownership of their bodies. We have a right to access our innate wellness and sanity. Eating animals can be as virtuous as eating plants. We have unlimited emotional depth and potential. Getting stronger is more important than meeting any beauty standards We're driven to create our own rules when the old rules don't apply. We're curious and open to questioning everything. We get to choose what our sexuality feels and looks like. Our appetites are important signals deserving of understanding and respect. We can thrive living as modern humans, caring for our ancient genes. We honor our ancestry and respect the wisdom inherent in our stories. We want to live a life worth healing for. I love that. And we are health science explorers. Okay. So I loved it. So well done. I think it's just really powerful. Um, And so with all of that, you know, being shared and these thoughts, this conviction, I hope that we're all just viewing our own selves as, you know, these explorers of our health. So thank you. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So let's just get to it. Okay. okay. So you you have a, a different approach, and I I love how you talk about this as far as like where most approaches when it comes to healing is a top to bottom approach. Where with what you do, you're more from the bottom up. Can you explain what that means?
1: Yeah, and I also would say that I'm um, I'm both. Okay. Great. I use both, and and most um, I'll explain what those are in a minute. But yeah. most most of what we I think apply in this culture and do in this culture and practice in this culture is bottom is top down. Mm -hmm. So I think for the sake of accessibility, for the sake of like meeting people where they're at, I do practice a lot of top down um, support, but um, that basically means like when you're in somatics, when you're practicing um, top down, it means you're going through upper corticoid functions of the brain. So you're using cognitive faculties to change the nervous system, to change the functions Mm -hmm. within the body and the metabolism. When you're doing, when you're approaching health or, you know, um, well, yeah, we'll just say health from a bottom up, you're going through the body. You're going directly into the nervous system through the body to then access those parts of the brain and shift those parts of the brain. Mm. So, um, an example would be top down would be um talk therapy, mm-hmm. or even like mindfulness meditation for like your visualization,
0: still, and- visualization.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. and then mm-hmm. bottom up would be um somatic experiencing. So that's like you know working with a practitioner to actually feel mm-hmm. the you know the different um, um, you know nervous system spaces that you move into that are very subtle and mm-hmm. and when you're able to slow things down, um breath practices anything that you can tap into within the felt sense Mm -hmm. that actually lives underneath the thoughts. Before the thoughts, before the thoughts,
0: yeah, and yeah, it's very primitive. It's how our, it's like our learning process as newborns, you know, is very much from the bottom up approach, like what you're describing here. And so, I think it's just really interesting to kind of think, yeah, that's actually powerful. And and these sensations, these things that we've experienced on that level, is actually what has led to and create, you know, created the thoughts and um, visualization patterns and things like that for us. And so it's great. I I just realized that we should probably define what somatics is because we're using terms maybe that aren't going to be as familiar um, to some.
1: Yeah. So somatics, soma is body. So somatics is of the body. So when we're looking at, we're working with the body, we're looking at the physiological processes within the body, the feelings within the body. Um, Again, like that term felt sense really Mm -hmm. applies here. I think, you know, we walk around in the world and we tend to be, our thoughts are running constantly and we have ideas and narratives running all the time. And so we tend to relate to the world as we think about it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us don't understand that there's this, there's this whole world of just feelings, like just the feeling tone of life. And we have a felt sense of everything, of of space, of places, of things, of relationships, of people, of memories. Like a lot of that, I would say the vast majority of our memory is stored in the felt sense in the body. Mm-hmm. And yes. so, um, you know, movement practices, yoga, these things do get us in there. But like through doing somatic practices, you are intentionally accessing those things. And, you know, ideally you're doing it in a way where you're actually able to integrate it. So, you're not just bringing us, you know, bringing stuff up and then having to like contend with whatever comes Mm -hmm. up. Actually be able to process through
0: some of these things. So, before we get into maybe what some of these somatic practices would look like, I would love for you to kind of go into maybe first steps when somebody is coming to see you. um, What is it that they're usually like um, coming to see you about? And like, what are some of the things that you're first talking with them about?
1: yeah, and that has shifted the more that I've started to promote myself as you know, working with trauma and somatics. Um but most of the time women come to see me because they have metabolic issues. They have physiological stuff. So hormone imbalances, um gut disruptions, digestive issues,, um, you know, mental he- some stuff that's affecting their mental health and their energy. And, um, and then usually what I find pretty quickly is that they have a lot of, uh, you know, stress around their health. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really common one. And I do, I also work with parts. I don't know if you're familiar with IFS and parts work, so I can explain, you know, what yes, that please. is in a minute, yeah. but like, um, I use that a lot in my practice because mm-hmm. so much of the stress that comes from trying to manage our health ourselves mm-hmm. and it can bring up a lot of protective parts.
0: Mm-hmm. So I find so that a true
1: a lot of women even if they don't have a language for it and they're mm-hmm. not directly familiar with IFS or parts work it lands really quickly it's very intuitive for them and i you know most of them they come to me cuz they're struggling with their their health parts i
0: love that and if you don't mind i'm just going to interject because i want yeah. to kind of bring the audience up to speed cuz we have kind of touched on this but i love that we're going to be able to dive a little deeper into what this looks like how this feels what this you know would uh what this would entail so um so what basically we're talking about is you know as as a practitioner, it looks like, sounds like both Kimber and I, we do take a root cause approach when it comes to healing. And with that, oftentimes in our practice, um, you know, we have recommended different healing protocols for people and they're, they're very effective protocols. But you know how I have talked to you several times about sometimes even when we are doing everything perfectly with that protocol, there's something that's still holding our healing back. And I've talked about it in the past where it's like we're, we're almost getting getting in our own way. All of this effort that we're putting into the healing is actually putting us our nervous system into a state like a sympathetic nervous state which is hindering our ability to be able to heal. So it can feel so frustrating if you're somebody I've been there. I know this is something that I've had to deal with as well. Um you know where it's like I'm doing everything right. I'm checking all of the boxes. I'm doing, you know, everything perfect to a T. And so, you know, this doesn't make sense. So this is why I'm really wanting Kimber to be on here so that she can help us to understand how to come back to the basics, how we can actually address the nervous system so that the nervous system can be in that parasympathetic state where it's able to actually allow all of the good things that we're doing um, to actually take effect. And so I love that. This is going to be such an awesome and very powerful um, episode for so many of you who have been writing into to me, who have expressed to me that you too have felt very frustrated, um, kind of feeling thwarted, even though you are doing all of the things you know that you should be doing to help support healing, but something is getting in the way. This could be it. This could be it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to add um, really quickly, my background prior to health and nutrition was in um, early child development, infant care. So, um, when you say like the nervous system is kind of what we start out with, like, I I think it was an easy, not, it was an easy transition to me, for me to go into bottom up work. And it was mm-hmm. like what I was called felt called to do because I have this long background of helping new humans regulate. Right. And, and also like, you know, just learning from them, like, oh, when my nervous system is re- dysregulated, their nervous system is dysregulated. This never goes away. It just gets buried. Right. 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 So we still have those needs, even when we're big people, we still have, and we we also have a lot of these young parts Mm -hmm. from the parts perspective, right? So we have these young parts that need to feel safe, cared for, nurtured. They need to know that there's people out there that can support them with the things they need to get support with and that they're not in it alone.
0: Yeah. And it's something that you're right, has been kind of missed. We've kind of brushed over, we've buried, uh, we've kind of moved on um, and maybe felt like, That wasn't something that we needed to be focusing on because we are capable adults. We're not as dependent um, on others for our care and our safety and all of that, but all of that is still wired within us, and so if you are struggling with, you know, this, like we've just described, this inability to feel like all of these healing protocols, these um, healing approaches are not taking effect, um, this is something you should go back to, and it does. It becomes, you know, very foundational, going right back to what we first experienced, even in the womb, you know, and and so on, and so that's where I'm like excited because I want you girls to know that there are there are techniques out there, there are these. Um, tools out there for us to be able to, because sometimes we can hear this and we're like, oh, that's very interesting. And I feel like that could be applicable to me, but I don't even know how to access that kind of um approach. And so that's where I think this is going to be really cool to, to really kind of hear like, okay, we know that the people that are coming to work with you, Kimber, are people that are dealing with uh, metabolic issues and that's affecting a whole myriad of things. Um, and so now let's say you start to uncover, you know, some of maybe the, the roots to all of the stuff that they're, they're dealing with. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, um, For my ongoing clients, the only lab, I can pretty much work with any lab at this point, but the only lab that I require is a hair tissue mineral analysis. And one of the reasons that I I absolutely love that lab, it can teach you so much about a person's body. And one of the reasons I really love it is because it can teach you how, it can show you how their nervous system patterns and their metabolic health are intertwined. And you can see, you know, through their oxidation rate, through their mineral ratios, you can see like even though it's an average of three to six, three to four months based on Mm -hmm. average hair growth, you're actually seeing a much longer term pattern from a nervous system perspective.
0: So interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah. So when you do recommend this test, people go and have that, you're looking at these results and then what? What does that tell you?
1: Yeah. So it tells me kind of where their metabolism is at based Mm -hmm. on how, how, how much stress they've been enduring in their life, like for how long, like are they dealing with a lowered metabolism where there's mm-hmm. their metabolism has downregulated and everything is low and slow. So their adrenals are slow. Their, their thyroid is slow. Their blood sugar is low. Um, or are they dealing with like a, upre- they're still in an upregulated state where they're moving too fast, too much the time their foot is on the gas pedal all the time. Um, and then you can basically like look at all the different systems in the body and different processes and see how those are working based on their levels of minerals and how they're relating to each other. It's so incredible. It's so cool. Yeah.
0: I'm a big, you know, pr- I love to promote this kind of testing because I do feel like it helps to um speed up maybe the process in a way for us to be able to sort of guessing we're figuring out exactly what is at the root. And and so I do think too. Understanding those two different um, spaces where we it don't, it absolutely changes the protocol, you know, as far mm-hmm. as how you're going to approach some of these um, feelings of disease in your body, because it's going to make a difference whether this um, stress level has been chronically kind of under been under the surface from childhood, or if it's just that you are an acute. St- state of stress right now. There's just different protocols. And I feel like as a practitioner, that's something that's so helpful because it's never a one size fits all. It's never just like, oh, this person has a, you know, adrenal, you know, dysregulation or whatever. It's just, it's, and so this is what we do. It's more like this specific person has these signs this is why, this is what's been going on under the surface. And so it really helps us to be able to customize um, approaches for um, individual healing.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And also like the more tests I've run, the more I've seen kind of like large, lar- larger term patterns. Mm. So at this point, I um, kind of am running with the assumption that the vast majority of us are working with a down-regulated metabolism. Like most, most women, when they come to work with me, they're either at that kind of end of upregulation where they've been upregulated for so long that they're very depleted and they're now crashing, you know, their energy's not being metabol- not being regulated well, um, or they're already downregulated and they don't realize it. And what tends to happen when we're dealing with like a low, slow metabolism in this culture of productivity, go, 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 is that we tend to like put our foot on the gas pedal even harder. We're right. like, why you know I was fine two years ago. Why is this happening now? Like this doesn't make any sense. I'm taking my multivitamins. like I should you know, I just need more coffee or I just need mm-hmm. you know something. There's something that I need to do when usually the body is actually saying, no, you need to do less. Like put the brakes on. Put the yeah, brakes on. Yeah. And it feels
0: scary because you're right. The society does not support that approach. No. That feels very scary because you feel like you're stopping momentum. You're stop, you're stopping progression. And um, but truly it is what is absolutely necessary. And that's why we're having these conversations so that you understand what the body is communicating with you so that you can listen and then follow through with the instructions it's giving you. Your body's always talking mm-hmm. to you, your body is always trying to help you understand how to support it best. And so, yeah, don't be afraid if this is something that if you go, you see a practitioner, you're going through this testing, and that practitioner is recommending to put the brakes on a little bit, to slow down a little bit. Um, Trust the process. It is all part of healing. It actually is necessary to even support the ability to heal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Slowing down is absolutely essential for healing. And I think um, a lot of us are, you know, it's adaptive to move fast. And so I think a lot of us, um, we move fast. We stay in a fight or flight state for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and like in my neurology work, um, applied neurology that I do with like, it's called neurosomatic intelligence. And, um, we talk a lot about like a minimum effective dose. Mm-hmm. So if someone is, has been in like a, an upregulated flight state for a really long time, obviously that's not sustainable but if you just tell them oh just chill out like just stop just moving so fast be still do sitting meditation you could actually potentially increase the th- the threat that their brain is interpreting because they have been moving fast for a reason they've mm-hmm. been out of their body for a reason so we have to slowly move into a safer and safer state where they feel like they can actually drop into their body they can do less they can out you know they can delegate more um mm-hmm because it really comes down to survival. Like we move at the pace yeah. we move at because on some level we're trying to survive. We're sensing
0: threat. And so yeah. I don't know you girls, if you're listening, if you've ever, you know, cause I talk about how important it is to meditate and I've had several of you guys share with me about how you literally feel anxiety when you try to meditate, you know, and you're like, it's supposed to do the opposite of this. What is going on? And so this is what Kimber's describing. So um, it's not that meditation isn't absolutely so beneficial. we encourage all of you to do it. But if you are experiencing that, this could be a telltale sign that you are in that heightened state of stress. And so there are some things that you can do to kind of help bring about that um, sense of safety so that the meditation, the deep breathing, all of that can actually reduce the level of anxiety rather than exacerbate it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think like, you know, I have spent a lot of my life in flight and I didn't know that. So in my 20s, I was trying constantly to bypass it by doing more and more sitting meditation, like going on yes. sitting like long, you know, silent retreats. And um, that was all beneficial. But looking back, like I also had a lot of anxiety. Like I was actually because I was just pushing myself to move to be still when my body, my brain said, you need to move faster Mm -hmm. because you're not safe. So I think it's important, um, you know, to understand that if you have a hard time being still, you have a hard time just like sitting with yourself. There's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we don't need to find a way to feel safer. So we can sit still is that we need to work with our body. We need to work with our brain where it's at. And I think that is one thing about somatics that can be, I think, Triggering for people. I've heard this before, like uh, because there's so much information out there online and you know, about doing somatic work. And so if you're just picking and choosing stuff online to do, um, and you're not really tailoring it to your specific needs, you could potentially trigger more stress because you're just, you know, again, kind of like there's a power over going on, which happens a lot in this culture anyways. We want to like control our bodies. Right. So you're trying to control your anxiety by like making yourself self be still. Um, and for some of my clients and even myself, if they have a lot of anxiety or those flight, those upregulated states, I have them go for walks. Mm-hmm. Like I actually have them do meditation with their eyes like open. A moving meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I have them um, you know, do more neuro drills so that they actually can lower, they can get themselves like immediately can get themselves into a more parasympathetic state and then meditate so great. Yeah. And so
0: I don't know if our audience has ever heard about neurodrills, you know, and what that yeah. is. And so do you mind explaining a little bit more about what that looks like?
1: No, not at all. This is it's actually a fairly new um oh. area of like somatic support, and so I feel really excited to talk about it cuz a lot yeah. of people have not heard of it. Um so I went through a training called neurosomatic intelligence, and that is um essentially leveraging the body, the brain's neuroplasticity for the sake of changing pretty much anything in the body because the brain controls every aspect of the body. Um, so the theory is like, because we have this brain that, or, or let's just say like humans work in loops, we take in inputs. So sensory inputs, cognitive inputs, the brain interprets those. And then as a result of the interpretation, it gives us outputs. Most of the time, what we're, what we want is we want protect, we want performance outputs so like Mm -hmm. that could be something really small like putting our shoes on brushing our teeth we tell our brain to do something or and then the brain sends a signal back we do it right like Mm -hmm. without even thinking about it right um what a lot of us are dealing with however is something called protective outputs and that's a stress response that usually that means the brain is either not getting clear information from the body or it's interpreting the information it's getting as a threat as a result, it's con- causing us to contract. It's, you know, it's, ha- we basically have a survival response and right. this could be, and this could be, again, like it could be very subtle or it could be something very big. Um, as a result of that, neurodrills or applied neurology, we look at, we, we do tests to look at how well the brain is connecting to, you know, different parts of the body, um, looking at the different ways we take information in and then using our senses and whatnot. And then we, based on our assessments, we can tell like what areas of the body and the nervous system do we need to support? Right. Like where are we dealing, dealing with what we call deficits, which is like your brain could be sending a signal to your knee and it's not getting there or it's Mm -hmm. delayed. Right. Like you might not think that's a big deal, but if you have a lot of those throughout Mm -hmm. the body, then your brain is dealing with a lot of threat, right? Like a, a higher level of threat. So then if you have that on top of trauma that you have never resolved or nutrient deficiencies or a stressful job. Mm -hmm. Just consider like how much more stress your brain is dealing with. And and as a result, how many more protective outputs you're going to have, which show up as symptoms. Right. Right. Yeah. So interesting. I love, thank you. This is,
0: I love it. I think that every person is going to I mean, every person is dealing with this. This isn't something that's like, oh, some people, (laughs) you know, it's, this is just how we're wired. This is from the beginning. It's taking in everything that we've ever been through, everything we've learned, everything, you know, that we're trying to do to like um, support our health or our, you know, positive thinking or whatever it is, everybody is being affected by this. And so I think it's so amazing. What a cool um, area of science to be able to understand how to track that. I think, wow, that's so powerful because it really does kind of uncover a lot. It helps us to understand um, what needs to be addressed. And so, so let's just say we've we've uncovered a lot of information. Um, and, and it's going to be so unique to each of us. Then what? What is the next step here? What do we need to be trying to do um, beyond just this discovery?
1: Yeah. So I think um again, it depends on the person. The person's individual deficits, their stress patterns, their health history—all of that. So I really do take quite a full, um, you know, intake first, and then um, usually we'll start with the things that are easiest for them, that are most Mm -hmm. available for them. Like again, that will vary, but I do think for a lot of my clients, changing their diet is actually easier. Like Mm. changing what they eat, their nutritional um, intake is one of the more easy inputs to, to shift. Um, so we tend to, again, like work where they're at, uh, but there's, there's so many little ways that we can integrate because basically what we're doing is we want to change the inputs. Yes. Right. Like mm-hmm. one of the things that is really unhelpful about the approach to health and in the medical system, for instance, is we're looking at outputs for the most part. we are just, we're just looking at outputs. Like they might, you know, talk about stress a little bit or whatever, right. but like, mm-hmm. like most of the time people get these big protective outputs that have been cumulative they've been there for a while and they've turned into some kind of diagnosis some disease and then we're given something to change that output but we're not really talking about all of the various inputs that we're taking you know that we're taking mm-hmm. in and then the potential for miscommunication where the interpretation of that input is an out, there's an outside stress response to something right we shouldn't, and we're having a threat response to something that may not be threatening right mm-hmm. So this work is basically like changing inputs and there's so many ways we can do that. So food is just one, but we can also look at light. We can look at like working with thermoregulation. So looking at our body's temperature and how we can get our body's core temperature up. Um, Hypothyroid is like an epidemic issue. And so making sure that we keep our core body, core body temperature up is a big one. Um, Looking at how we, you know, take in information. Like I talk a lot about the ocular system and like how, when we're looking at screens, which is like a vast majority of the population these days, we're right. activating um, a particular function of the ocular system that puts us into a sympathetic state. Mm. When we're looking at like a sky, like I have a big window in front of where I'm sitting right now and I can see the sky and a bunch of trees. When we're looking at the sky and we're looking at like an open, you know, an open, um, beautiful scene, yeah. we're we're activating a completely different part of the brain that naturally so regulates us. hmm so you so could, interesting. Like I literally just have clients go outside on their lunch break and stare mm-hmm. at the sky for 15 minutes.
0: <laughs> I do that too. I do that too. With mixers I'm like, let's go. It's it's noon. We're going outside. We're eating lunch outside because it makes such a big difference. And you know, I know right yeah. now you girls are are maybe watching us on YouTube. You're looking at a screen and and this is a way that we can like gain this information, but unfortunately, it's the majority of our day, you know, and we don't think about how it's actually affecting the brain and how then that's trickling down to like, kind of determining our hormone balance and everything else, you know, and all the symptoms that are coming. So even coming back to these little things, whether it seems simple, you know, too simple to be true, you know, the food that we're eating, the, um, the yeah, the, the light that we're being exposed to or not being exposed to, um, these types of things are all connected to what I talk a lot about, about um, incorporating, making sure we're focusing on having as many safety signals um, and being careful with those safety signals as much as possible. And so this is very, aligned with that. So just so that the audience is kind of connecting the dots here about why we're, you know, going into all of this um, really fascinating information. So cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The safety signals is a great way to put it because that's basically what we need. Like if you're doing, I work with health oriented women and I get a lot of women that are very emotional. Like they come to me and they've already been working on their health for a long yep. time. They've invested a lot of money and they're, you know they have health trauma now because they've been, yeah. you know, they've been haven't been getting better to the degree that they want to, and um, usually there's a lot like a big lack lack of safety in their bodies, wow. and so um, sometimes doing less, taking in less information, less research, stop researching, like mm-hmm. less supplements, you know, less dietary rules. Sometimes that's actually the thing they need to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, because um, it's just it's too much. And it's actually, you know, moving them farther away from that sense of like, I'm okay. Yep. I'm not a ticking time bomb. I don't need to micromanage myself. I'm going to be okay. Like I can have lab, you know, I can have labs that are off. I can mm-hmm. have metabolic markers that aren't perfect and I'm still okay.
0: Yeah. You're still here. You're functioning, you know, you're doing yeah. things. That, and, and yes, it's, it's okay. Cause you, I know when people are in this state, physically or even mentally, um, it is uncomfortable. And so we it's our nature to want to try to do everything we can to bring ourselves back into that comfortable state. But to your point, Kimber, it's kind of similar to what I was saying before. Sometimes we can get in our own way. And so it's important to recognize that if we are going at this whole healing process Um, and trying to control it, we're actually sending the signal to our body that we need to be fixed. And when that signal is being sent or that message is being sent, then it is absolutely a a sense of threat. Our body is thinking we're not okay. Something is wrong. We're not okay. And so it is just, it's exacerbating some of the issues. It's holding you back from actually progressing with your healing. And I just think it's good to remember and just always be a you know just try to remind us that the things that we're talking about today the things that we're doing to help support our healing are amazing tools but these tools are there to help support your body's own innate ability to heal your body is always in a healing state your body knows exactly what it needs to be doing even some of the symptoms and and some of the like uncomfortable um healing patterns are happening but it's happening for your good it's actually it it might not feel comfortable, but it's that uncomfort that is actually the healing process that's manifesting itself. And so I think that it is sometimes easier said than done. But what I'm hoping, and it's something I have to learn over and over again too, I'm totally with you on all of this, is that sometimes if we're feeling like we're doing it all and we're to that point of just exhaustion um, from trying everything and feeling frustrated, then that is a time that we most likely are doing too much. We're doing too much, putting too much effort, putting too much thought, putting, you know, all of this focus where, um, it's time to pull back a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there's two things I, I guess could say to that. Um, one thing is perspective matters. Like if you're someone who's taking on your health, then that's kind of a new thing in this culture. Like, you know, if you look just back, like, 30, I mean, in fact, a lot of people still operate this way, but I would say definitely, uh, you know, 30, 50 years ago, we outsourced our health to doctors. They knew what was wrong. They knew what to do, even if it was kind of, you know, they were doing something like bleeding us or, you know, something <laughs> that was hurting us, essentially. Um, we outsourced that right. to their expertise. And so what's happening nowadays is like there's a greater and greater mistrust of institutions, of doctors, mm-hmm. of the medical system in general. And so you have more and more people who are doing their own research, who are doing their own personal, like, N of one experiments on their, you know, with their health. And that's beautiful. And that means you're taking on a lot. You're focusing on your health in this way that... So I see two extremes in my practice. There's the right. women that are overwhelmed because their they're, they're, the hypervigilant parts have been woken up. Because mm-hmm. of the amount of focus they're placing on their health, yeah. um, and then I see the other end, which is the avoidance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Where it's like they don't, we, we they don't, don't want to, want think about to deal mm-hmm. with those hypervigilant parts. We know they're going to wake up if we start focusing on our health, so we just don't even deal with it, right? Um, right. So there's two extremes, and then so just knowing that that's okay, mm-hmm. like you're dealing with protector parts around your health because your health is a very precious, vital aspect of you, and you're doing it, you know. This is a new phenomenon to some extent, and it can be a very isolating phenomenon in a culture that where we're still being told to outsource to someone else.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, Sorry, I interrupted. No, what was okay? No, I, I was just gonna. I was just go gonna ahead. totally know. <laughs> I was just going to say yes absolutely and I was just going to share just kind of my own cuz I always talk about how we need to be our own best health advocates and that is absolutely true you know Kimber's explaining that things have kind of shifted from where we are now becoming more involved in our own healthcare um but I want to be clear that you understand when I'm saying we need to be our own health best health advocates it's not that we need to do it all ourselves um it's important to be educated it's it's good to have the right um Knowledge of what tools are available, what tests are available. Um, it's good to be knowledgeable what, about good nutrition and you know all of the stress management um, protocols and things like that. But uh, it is something that is. It's more about making sure that you are involved in creating that health support that team around you um and being more involved in that is a good thing to do and for me personally um you know even as a practitioner i tend to and i'm sure maybe kimber could relate to this cuz i feel like when i talk to other practitioners they're like oh me too you know where it's like we have the knowledge we have the tools and so we do we're very guilty of trying to do it all ourselves and and then we get stuck in this pattern that we've just And um, and for me, it has been a process to learn how to let go and be able to turn over some of the thinking, some of the um, the care to other practitioners. So even though I am a, a holistic health practitioner and a functional nutritionist, I'm still working with doctors and other healthcare practitioners to help support me, you know, in areas to kind of offload some of that um that stress that I was taking on and um, that was totally hindering my ability to be able to um to manifest that, you know, that healthy um state that I was I've, I'm always striving for. So
1: yeah. I can totally relate to that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We, we're we not, we're not isolated nervous systems. We're a network of nervous systems. And so the more that we can send the signal to our brain that we're not alone in this, love then that. the more, you know, we can, we'll feel that relief that will allow us to, to um, progress more. I love that. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to add was, you know, part of that manifesto you read at the beginning, um, having a life worth healing for. I think that's a really important point because I think if we've been struggling with our health for a long time and we've made it a focal point of our lives, um, then we can forget that like we're, we're doing the healing work so that we can access a better life. And we want to have those relationships. We want to have the, you know, we want to have the aspects of our lives that make us feel like being showing up and being healthy is worth it. Yes. And I think one of the reasons that I moved more into relationship, um, especially as I started working more with trauma is I see this a lot, this pattern of isolation of not having, um, you know, the relationships, the sexual intimacy, the, the time to just relax to lounge Mm -hmm. I see more and more of that missing in a lot of women's lives. And I think it's those protector parts that come up, those hypervigilant parts that come up around our health. They show up a lot of times they show up a lot more pronounced when we're lacking Mm
0: -hmm.
1: community, intimacy, you know, things that we ha- cannot live without, that our like system cannot handle being without. Mm-hmm, um, so that's another one that's really important. I think is like understanding, like if you are really struggling with your health, if you're doing all the things, you're taking all the vitamins and the you know, the supplements, you're eating well um, and you're still struggling, like are there aspects of your life outside of your immediate health that need support that, you know, are, um, are your needs are not met. And I think relationally, that's especially important. Like, are you really happy in your relationships? Are you isolated? Um, Are you lonely? Are you sexually unfulfilled?
0: Yeah, we don't always recognize that or pay attention to that. We do pay a lot of attention to the food that's on our plate or the way that we're moving our bodies and think that that's what's going to determine, you know, whether we are healthy or not. Um, but there are so many different areas of our life that feed us and nourish us. And, and that's part of what I used to do in my practice as well is really investigate all of these different areas of our life and understand that our ability to be able to... um take the nutrients that we're you know eating off of our plate or to you know see the benefit of the exercise and all that hard effort that we're putting in physically to like take hold it's it could be not even that you're not doing enough there it's that you may be lacking in nutrients as far as like you're saying with our relationships with our creativity with our spiritual connection with so many different areas of our life it's so important. It's like a pie chart. You know, you can look at all of these mm-hmm. different areas of of life that feed us. And many times, um, you know, we talk—in in my practice, I talk about, like, primary food versus secondary food, um, and not just meaning that food and the exercise is more secondary than the other areas of our life um, are more primary. And when our primary food and our nourishment is, is solid there, then the secondary food just kind of falls into place, and our body's more able um, to be able to utilize those efforts and to be able to make them take hold, so absolutely, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it it is absolutely and you know something we should be um, addressing when we are looking at whole health, mm-hmm. every part of the you know our lives. Um, and then I just you know absolutely that's my my heart and my mission too. Um, with these messages and these conversations that we're having on this podcast, and with the um, the tools that I recommend or even the supplements that I create, um, it's to help women to be able to live their lives. To make it so that their life is feeling fulfilling, their, their their time spent on earth, this precious time that we all have been given, and nobody knows for how long, um, that it is being, it feels fulfilling, that it's you're you're actually, you know, you're fulfilling your purpose. And if we're spending so much of our time and effort in just the uh, physical realm, then we are oftentimes um. Becoming deficient nutri- nutritiously in the, all the other areas of our life, and and symptoms will manifest. You know, trying to communicate that with us, but sometimes we don't always understand what our bodies are trying to tell us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think like um, a lot of us have, as we, especially with women, we have a lot of strong protector parts that tell us that we need to look good, eat well, be a good person, um, and so that's why women are more likely to diet. We're more likely, there's all these things that we try to do to manage our value through managing our body. And so if we don't have those like deep, meaningful, safe connections, human connections, um, you know, deeper think meanings in our life, then those, again, that I need to micromanage this. I need to be perfect. The nervous system, perfectionism is a nervous system pattern. And so So you, we get more sucked into that nervous system pattern of like, I need to eat perfectly. I need to get the right labs. I need to, you know, take the right supplements, get the right body size, whatever it is, um, to make up for the fact that I just genuinely do not feel safe. Right. And once I feel like I've gotten to this, you know, supposedly once I get to this place of perfection, then that like aching loneliness will go That away. lack of safety will go away. Of course, it never does. Right. So, like, we can work at that for years and, um, and so it's it, yeah it's really important to understand that like we deserve to have those things regardless of whether we have symptoms
0: yep oh so good kimber yeah. this is just so good so powerful i feel like we could talk forever uh, and need to talk about this more and more and more but um i think this is a good way to introduce the this thought you know and um and and recognize that you know, it's important for us all to yes, be our own best health advocates to um, to surround ourselves with the right team that can support us, but more than ever. It's so powerful when we can give our bodies safety signals and have the thought that we are good enough, that we are worth living, you know, uh, addressing these symptoms for. Our lives are beautiful um, right now. And all of these things um, that we've just discussed, I think, and so much more, but the things that we've just discussed in this um, conversation. So of course, I want our audience to be able to dive into this as deep as they want to go. Um, And so I want them to know the ways that they can maybe connect with you or maybe some great resources that you recommend or offer. Um, so please, would you share those things with us?
1: Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I, as far as social media goes, I'm mostly just on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram, Kimber Malden, um, just my name, and then on my website as well, Kimber Malden. You can see kind of what I offer. Um, I do the ha- the only one off I offer as far as coaching is a hair tissue mineral analysis one off. Right. Just because I I feel so passionately about that, that I think that if you are limited resources, if you you know don't have the the time or the resources to invest in more ongoing coaching support, then that's a really great place to just kind of like get your get a a good sense of where you're at Mm -hmm. metabolically and you know stress nervous system wise. Yeah. Otherwise just, you know, you can subscribe to my emails. I talk about all of this stuff every week on Sunday, I send it out. So that's a great place to kind of get a taste of more of these conversations. Um, yeah. and then yeah, follow me on Instagram and yeah. Amazing.
0: And of course, we're going to have all of this linked in our show notes um, so that people, it's an easy, you know, uh, find because this is invaluable information. It's something that could be um, one of the missing links or maybe even the whole missing link. But I love that you're giving us such um, accessible starting points here. Um, and so thank you for providing all of that. You've been an amazing guest. I've loved all of the knowledge that you shared with us and you've presented it in such a way that's, um, I feel like it can get sciency and it can get a little bit so it's not familiar with us, but I feel like you really did a great job in um, helping us to understand this whole process and these different um, modalities that are available for us. So thank you so much for being a guest. We really appreciate it. And thank you girls for tuning in. We love having these kinds of conversations. We love our community. It's a big reason, you know, the things that we've talked about with Kimber today about why Mixers feel so strong about having a community. It's because it is a healing uh, resource as well. It's very important for us to come together um, and not feel like we're all alone in um, these healing processes or healing journeys of our own. So we love having you girls. So the more we communicate with each other, whether it's through our Mixers Girl community, if you go to our website, m i x h e r s dot com, you'll see that we have a community. That's where we communicate about these conversations on the podcast. It's where questions can be asked um, in the Ask Cody section. There's even individual communities where you can go and find other women who are in similar life um, stages. And, you know, it's a great place for us to connect and to feel like we are there for each other. So
1: Kimber, anything else you wanted to share with the audience? Um, No, I think, you know, I guess one last thing I would say is um, as a sex, women have had to really, we've had to really push ourselves to, you know, elevate ourselves intellectually, economically, socially. And so for that reason, I I believe we do have a lot of stress that we're sitting on just from generations of women having to go through that. And so I think slowing down and going easy on ourselves and understanding that like our inherent value isn't in what we're doing, you know, is a yep. incredibly important and liberating aspect of being healthy as a woman.
0: Oh, okay. What a great thought to end on. I hope that stays with us um, throughout this week. Just keep that top of mind, girls. Um, Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We will continue these kinds of conversations um, next week. And until then, just have a very happy and healthy week. Talk soon. Bye.